Grace to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. What is the most expensive item you've ever purchased? Well, if you're old enough and if you're like me, it's probably your house. The question is, is it worth it? And I guess you'd arrive at the answer to that probably in one of two ways. Maybe you'd be very analytical and objective and, and well, we paid this much for it then and it's worth this much now and if we would have had to pay rent, there would be this. Or maybe it's more subjective judgment on your part that, yeah, it's a great place to live. Or, ooh, no, we sure made a bad choice when we bought that house. Our scripture readings today are all about choices. And, and at the heart of it is the question, is it worth it? Today's Old Testament lesson, and Moses is speaking to the people of Israel as they're getting ready to go across the Jordan to, to take the promised land. And he has spent quite a bit of time reviewing for them the history of, of how they got to be where they were at that time. And he says, when you get there, I want you to do this. I want you to choose life. Life in God and with God. In our epistle lesson today, St. Paul tells us a little bit about that life with God, at least some of what that entails. He tells us that life with God involves first knowing that we are forgiven. This is all in your sermon outline, by the way. Knowing that we are forgiven and then choosing to be forgiving. Let's consider that for a little bit, starting, we are forgiven. You've got people seated right here who remind our students in St. Lawrence School of that every day. In fact, that's why our congregation owns and operates the school, so that we can make sure those students and their parents and grandparents know without a doubt that we are forgiven. How precious those words are to us. Although sometimes I have to say, I wonder if, if maybe we should rephrase that and, and make that statement more of a question. It's easy to do, we just have to uh, change positions on one little word and we can ask the question, how precious are those words to us. We are forgiven. Did a slight shiver just go up your spine? Or the faintest flicker of a smile cross your lips? We are forgiven. That's the best news ever. Then how do we, I don't know, pretty often maybe, Respond to those words? <laughs> yeah, that's nice to know. Thanks. We don't always consider the true impact of the words. Why do I say that? Well, for one thing, because our church isn't filled to capacity today. 
or at the 8 o'clock service or last night or won't be over at Connect. But if these words had the effect on us that they really deserve, none of us would ever pass up the opportunity to hear them spoken in worship or to see the visible demonstration and reminder of that in the Lord's Supper, that that Jesus is truly present with us and, and that God truly continues to love us. But other things get in the way. We get distracted. I know how easily that can happen. A couple of weeks ago, a very significant event took place at the construction site for our our worship and event center. It's always a big day. When at a worship facility, the, the cross is lifted to its rightful prominent place at the top of the building. No exception a couple of weeks ago. It was it was a great thing to witness. Or so I'm told. I didn't actually get to see it happen. I could have. I was at the office. I, uh, I knew it was going to happen on Monday, two weeks ago. It slipped my mind. The worst thing is, I was even outside for a bit, I think when it was going on, because my focus was somewhere else. There was a group of men at the far end of the parking lot, and I knew they were discussing an issue that had arisen, and I wondered if, how they were going to resolve that issue. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw some kind of movement where the sky track is, but didn't really pay any attention because there's always something going on there. It wasn't until later when I stepped outside once again, and there it was. I had three reactions. One was to kick myself for having missed it. The second one was really a sense of peace, though, that the cross was where it belonged, at the top of that building. And the third one, this is going to make a great sermon illustration someday because, well, I'm a preacher. And to preachers, everything looks like a sermon illustration, just like to a hammer, everything looks like a nail. I just didn't know it was going to happen quite this quick, but I think it fits perfectly today. But more than just an illustration, it's also an opportunity for us. So let's take a moment right now to look at the the cross of Christ again, remembering that because of it, we know we are forgiven. We know we are forgiven, and we choose to be forgiving. That's the other part of life with God that St. Paul talks about in his letter to Philemon. Now, apparently this Philemon was was a rather wealthy individual, a convert to Christianity who had been a benefactor for the church and and for St. Paul. But there had been a problem, and that was that he had a slave named Onesimus, And Onesimus had run away. And when he did, Onesimus somehow hooked up with St. Paul and then himself became converted to Christianity. The occasion of this letter to Philemon is that, that Paul is sending Onesimus back to Philemon and he gave him this letter to carry in which Paul is asking on behalf of Onesimus that Philemon forgives his runaway slave. 
And the apostle was, was confident that Philemon, knowing that he had been forgiven, would himself choose to be forgiving. That's all part of life with God. Now, it might be nice if we could either spend more time on, on this part of the sermon or maybe just stop there. I'm um, talking about knowing that we're forgiven and, and choosing to be forgiving. Those are important topics, good things for us to be aware of, but we can't stop there because we've got some words of Jesus that we need to deal with. Words where, where Jesus tells us that uh, this life with God involves seeking to love God more than anything else, to be willing to suffer for his sake and, and even to abandon, to renounce all that we have for his sake. Which brings us back to the original question, is it worth it? That's really the question before us. It's the question that Jesus was posing to those who were beginning to follow him. And, and he said, well, let me tell you what you're in for here. Are you willing to leave behind family and possessions to, to sacrifice your life for Jesus? It's asking a lot, isn't it? A whole lot. Is it asking too much? Is it worth it? How would you answer that question? Before you answer, consider this. As God was planning to send his son into the world, do you think he asked if it was worth it, if, if you, if we were worth it? No, he didn't stop to ask that. He already knew the answer. He had known from eternity. He knew from before the creation of the world how, how we would mess up his creation and, and what he would have to do to fix that, what he would choose to do so that we could live with him forever. And he did not hesitate for a second. Which is why we know that it is worth it, that he is worth it, whatever it takes to follow him. We still need to ask the question, though, even though we already know the answer, we need to ask the question so that we can do what Jesus says to do, and that is to count the cost. So we're not caught off guard when we have to make a choice between Jesus and something else, because we already know that he's worth it. So now let's look again at those words from our Lord. Portions of them are printed in your sermon outline as well. Here's what he says. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, he cannot be my disciple. Oh. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Oh. And any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. What are we to make of that? Was Jesus serious when he said these things? Yes, he was. And we need to deal with that. I know what we want to do. I know what I want to do. I want to water it down. 
make it easier. I want, I want to explain it away. He doesn't allow for us to do that. So let's take a, a look at each of those admonitions. First of all, the one to uh, hate your family. Okay, we're not going to explain that one away, but we are going to explain it because when Jesus said that you have to hate your family, he didn't use the word in the same way that we so often do. As That's an emotion, right, for us. It's an intense dislike for somebody, so much so that we wouldn't even mind if some harm came to them. That's not what Jesus is talking about. He doesn't want any of us to wish harm or to have an intense dislike for anybody, especially for a member of our family. So what he means is what we have in the sermon outline. By hate your family, he doesn't mean don't love them. He means don't love them more than you love me. Not don't love, but don't love more than. Christians in other parts of the world are making that painful choice right now, every day. They haven't stopped feeling love for the members of their family, but sometimes members of their family literally hate them for converting to Christianity. And so these new Christians have decided that they have to be willing to leave behind their family in order to follow Jesus. They have decided that it's worth it for them to do that. So far, most of us, probably all of us, have been spared from having to make that kind of a choice. And probably the same thing is true with the, uh, with the second thing Jesus uh, talks about, bearing your cross. Well, we talk about that sometimes, don't we? Having a, a cross to bear, sometimes uh, poor health or a financial setback or other disappointments or, challenge, or challenges. Uh, we think of a cross to bear. I've even heard that sometimes teachers might uh, consider a particular student to be their personal cross to bear. Well, none of our teachers, of course. But we use that word in many different ways. When Jesus spoke these words, he meant only one thing, because it could mean only one thing at the time. Somebody who bore their cross was carrying it to their execution, as Jesus did on Good Friday. We know this, too, happens all too frequently in other parts of the world, even though we have not yet faced that. We, we've escaped the kinds of experiences that, that Jesus is talking about in the first two requirements of discipleship. How about the third one? To renounce all that we have, our possessions. It's hard to imagine doing that, isn't it? To walk away from all that we have. Do you know what? We've had two examples this past week of, of people who have done at least something like that. We've been watching Hurricane uh, Dorian, for almost two weeks now, we've seen these kind of radar images watching the track. And maybe, maybe you've seen some of the coverage of the aftermath as, as homes have been destroyed. And when they're talking to people who are, are looking at only rubble, obviously those people are, are devastated. But then so often they'll say something like, 
At least I'm still alive. At, at least my family is still alive. And that's what really matters. And then, with sadness, of course, they, they walk away from what they once had. Somebody who did something like that anyway, voluntarily, you might recognize this face, maybe not. Uh, this is Andrew Luck, formerly quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts. He retired at the ripe old age of 29 years old. Took quite a bit of flack for that. And also, we're told, left on the table perhaps hundreds of millions of dollars in potential future earnings. But he decided it was worth it to him to do that for the sake of his health. He suffered all kinds of injuries over the years. Well, you know, maybe we've dodged a bullet this time as well. Hurricane Dorian hasn't uh, touched us. We are not abandoning a lucrative career. We don't face the choice of whether or not to renounce all that we have, to, to love the Lord more than we love our possessions. Well, actually, though, we are confronted with that choice, and, and quite regularly. Whenever a decision that we make is influenced by the fact that we love the Lord more than we love what we have, we are renouncing our possessions. It's good to think about that because possessions are one of the greatest threats to discipleship today. It was true then, as Jesus knew. That's why he said it. I think it might even be truer today because we have so much more than people did at, at the time of Jesus. Every week, we are also given the opportunity, we are confronted with the need to decide how important our possessions are to us when the offering plate is passed at church. Now, when that time comes, it's pretty easy to, to think about it in a number of ways. Uh, quite often, I'm sure we think about it as, as our time to say thank you to God for all that he's done for us, and it certainly is that. Or maybe we're a little more practical about it and, and think, well, yeah, we have to, and I'm happy to, um, to give so that this wonderful church and school can continue to operate. And certainly, we operate on the offerings of our people. But there's something else that I don't know if I'd thought about it this way before I dug into this text. I don't remember having done it anyway. And that is that, that whenever, whether it's when the offering plate is passed or, or before then when we're determining what we're going to do when it's passed, we are confronted with the hold that our possessions have on us. And we have the opportunity to decide to renounce a portion of them to give it away. So you're welcome. You didn't know we were doing you a favor, did you, when we passed the plate? But actually we are. Because this, too, is a part of discipleship a part of life with God. Life that's willing, if called upon, to leave behind family, to suffer martyrdom, to sacrifice possessions. A high cost? Oh, yeah. Is it worth it? 
Absolutely. Amen. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.